moratorium? You were saying that in America they're so serious about the protest movement. Yes, they are. But they were so flippant that they were singing a happy-go-lucky song, which happens to be one I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad they sang it. And when I get there, I'll sing it with them. When I get in. <laughs> Coming up in this episode, Doctor Who, Bessie, Doctor Robert, we've got a guest star today. We surely have. We surely do. And they're in the cab with us today. But we'll find out more about this in the next exciting episode of Doctor Who. A complete menagerie. Almost. Well, here we are. Here we are, folks. Uh, Again, in the virtual realm. Uh, Lovely to be in the virtual cab. I am Sam. I'm Charlie. And I'm Greg. Now, guys, something very exciting happened recently in that you both got to see each other in the flesh. It was the flesh time and uh, you were both in London together. Is that right? This week? We certainly were. It was uh, Shepherd's Bush, no less, where it all began, the, 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 the uh, factory of dreams, the fantasy factory itself, BBC TV centre, around the corner from that place. Uh, seeing our special guest of, of this particular uh, week, uh, someone we've spoken to before uh, when we were in lockdown number two, back in February, almost two years ago to the day, in fact, um, mm. we spoke to Mr. Robert Gillespie, who was uh, gailed us with... Um, a lot of uh, background of his career and in particular um, the sort of culty stuff he did and the, the comedy stuff and we thought it would be very nice to, to top off that uh, encounter by meeting the man in me and Greg went down and we did it yes we had a good couple of hours didn't we it was uh, it was Lully he's a very good friend of the podcast I have to say uh, uh, good egg and our, re- our first return guest star I think I don't think we've had a return guest star yet, have we? Other that, than Robert. No, no, people have refused to come back. Yeah, <laughs> have we asked? Deal with most people, but yes. <laughs> have we asked them? <laughs> well, I, I can think of two that don't return my calls, but we won't go down that. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> yes, yes, but it was a lovely day out, wasn't it? I mean, it was uh, the, the the weather held, and uh, we actually got to see one another live and in person. Didn't do. We had, a, had an avocado sandwich um, at, the, at the Westfield, and then yes. we walked up to, um, as I mentioned, the um, TVC, TC, to have a look round. And we went into the, the Chinese Garden, which I think has been used over the years for for Doctor Who uh, promotional photographs on, on more than one occasion. There were mm. two, I think, that we managed to, to pinpoint, didn't we? We certainly did. Yes. Well, I mean, you'd found the. Uh, photographs online because I'd I'd, uh, I'd I'd hadn't seen these before but it, was it some um, Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant being introduced to the public uh, to the press I think Doctor so Doctor Who the new Doctor Who I think as, as I recall from the picture Perry was wearing the or Nicola Bryant I should say was wearing the uh, Twin Dilemma costumes it must have been fairly early days hmm Showing a lot of leg in that as well, and she's sort of leaning backwards and and, and so on. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, companions these days still do that. It's probably less de rigueur with the BBC these days, with all all those sorts of uh, worries that they have about things like that. But uh, yes, in that particular photograph, you can see a lot of uh, Nicola Bryant's leg. I mean, I'm sure I, I'm, I'm sure uh, males more red blooded than I have uh, probably noticed this uh, previously. I don't think I'm saying anything too uh, uh, <laughs> controversial. Um, but um, we found it, didn't we? And we, we, um, uh, we, I, I sort of asked a, a passerby, would would they mind taking a photograph? And I, I, I kind of did wonder about adopting the Nicola Bryant pose. Um, but um, it, it was sort of eccentric enough having a, a very nice couple uh, stopping to take the photograph for us. I thought if I throw myself backwards and stick my leg in the air, they, they, they might. <laughs> They, they, they might throw my uh, phone in the pond and uh, and run away screaming. So, yes, we did just discuss that, didn't we? I think if Sam had been with us, we may have done that. But if yes, someone we didn't we know would. Mm. would have been pushing the envelope a bit too far. It was very kind of them, though. Certainly was, we found it? another one as well, didn't we? Because there's a big tree with sort of four trunks, wasn't there? Quite distinctive, yeah, yeah. Which was t- Tom and Lala, wasn't it, from 79? Yes, Destiny of the Daleks. A very, of very impressed with that. That's a very good find. 
Like, yeah. Just because a tree is very difficult to identify unless you see it from the exact angle. And we're talking pretty much 45 years. So how you, how you guys found the destiny of the Daleks tree trunk is, is beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> a bit less grass there now. It's a bit more. It's a bit thinner on the ground. Is the, is the grass? But uh, the tree was was unchanged, or it may have been pruned a bit over the years. But it was definitely the same tree. We also went around the, the, the. We went around the. Sorry, we went around the the donut too, didn't we? And we looked at um, the statue of, of Helios. Yes, you told me an interesting story about that that made me sort of look at that statue in a completely different way, which uh, blew my mind. I think I remember saying to you, Charles, you've blown my mind. <laughs> Yes, well, who was that? Who was the statue based on? Well, you told me it was based upon the actor Leslie French. Well, I now, got that. I got that from a um, um, Toby Haydock Haydock um, podcast. He was talking about Silver uh, Nemesis and mentioned in passing that, that that was modelled on Leslie French, who played the scientist. Yes, he's the elderly mathematician, isn't he? That uh, right. Lady Painfort investigates, uh, visits, and then kills. Yes. He whisks off into the yes. So, um, yes, because it's, it's rather, a, rather a nice statue, isn't it? It's sort of uh, neoclassical, I suppose, you, you, you might say, or that sort of thing. And um, I have a know, connection a, to that statue you know, as well. Yeah. Oh, I, well I, can, I can contribute to this one. Let's have it. <laughs> in that my brother-in-law was the project manager who revitalised Television Centre. And he said to me fairly recently, that fucking statue, which he had to <laughs> arrange to be pulled down and regilded and then craned back into position was an absolute oh, really? nightmare for him. But yeah, it looks spanking there. It looks very nice. Yes, it's, it's it was point. worth a job worth doing. Yeah, but we're very impressed at uh, Mr. French's <clears throat> muscular definition. He had quite a muscular uh, backside. Yeah, very hurt. <laughs> I thought. Yes, couldn't help but notice. <laughs> Little old man in the silver name. The aging process catches catches up with all of us, isn't it? I saw a Daily, Daily Mail uh, article recently pointing out that Dennis Lill looks older now than he did in 1981, which uh, I thought was quite remarkable uh, news coverage. It's, it's good to know that. Whereas everybody else reading the article presumably looks exactly the same as they did in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, did you do any other locations whilst you were out and about down south? Well, we did do one, um, which was I couldn't I couldn't resist uh, because uh, we 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 spoke to our very special guest star, Mr. Robert Gillespie, um, very close to the uh, the Hilton in Shepherd's Bush, um, which wasn't used in Doctor Who, uh, but it was uh, used in the 1985 BBC TV serial Edge of Darkness, which starred Bob Peck. Now, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that particular serial before on this podcast or to anyone in conversation. I don't know if you chaps have ever heard of it or heard of Bob Peck. Um, but uh, yes, it's where Bob Peck's character Ronnie Craven uh, stays in, uh, uh, in in Edge of Darkness, and indeed, the uh, one of the characters says he rolls down his window as he's pulling into the uh, Hilton at Shepherd's Bush. There says to him, "Mr. Craven, welcome to the Monkey House." So uh, we, we 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 visited there and said that line outside it. It's iconic stuff. Yes, it was nice to be there to to, to tick that box. Yeah, another location done. Yes, if you ever stay, um, any, any of our listeners ever uh, stay in the Hilton in Shepherd's Bush, ask for room 7016, which is uh, the one that uh, Bob Peck's character stayed in, and they filmed actually inside that room. I must have misunderstood, Greg. I thought you'd also gone to the church from Fenric, but was that not the case? Oh, no, 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 um, no, that's 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 close to, uh, that's not where, it's fairly close to where I live, actually. It's, hmm. it's out Kentway in a town called Hawkehurst. Hmm. Um, it's a lovely little town, actually, well worth visiting. Um, we've done it before. Well, that, that uh, picture I'm sure that the, Charlie and I have done it before. Well, that picture I sent um, on WhatsApp was from 20 years ago, Sam. It wasn't this weekend. Oh, you've aged very well. You could tell from, from Greg's hairline that it was an older yeah. picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> I mean, you've got right. more hair than me. <laughs> Yes, it uh, comes to us all, uh, but yes, yeah, so it was. A, it looked like my grandson in that photograph. I thought, but um, yeah, um, not that I have a grandson, but if I did, uh, but yes, um, that, that's uh, that church uh, we have visited on a pilgrimage. But it would have been about about two thousand and eight, probably sometime right about then. A long time ago, yeah, so, yeah. a wee while ago. Um, we played I mean, cricket on, on the, in our minds. I remember playing cricket on the at the green uh, after having we had a picnic, didn't we? And played cricket. 
We did. It was a lovely day. We went into the church as well. We went up to the pulpit and uh, did the old uh, uh, Nicholas Parsons bit. Uh, when I was mm. a child, I speak as a child, and uh, um, oh, I should know. It was who's was that? Is that uh, is that from the Book of Mark? Not sure. Anyway, the Gospel. Um, can't remember. Oh dear, it's bad, isn't it? Memory's going. But um, yeah, I should know that. Um, that bit. But there's a reason why I pulled that picture out because you posted the picture on um, a WhatsApp earlier on of Sylvester yes. McCoy posing on a on a gravestone. Yep. Um, and you wanted to know what that story was from. I didn't know, but but Sam jumped in the font of all knowledge. Hmm. Came up with the answer. Normally, I'm the, I'm the font of, that gets the story half right, which is worse <laughs> than having no knowledge at all. But in this instance, I'd not long finished dipping into Richard Molesworth's JNT production diaries 1979 to 1990, which I can tell you is a jolly good read. It's, it's the rock and roll years. <laughs> quite. I mean, what didn't happen between 1979 and 1990, I ask you. And one of the little nuggets of information that I took away from that was uh, at the beginning of the very last season of Doctor Who. They, they were scheduled to record um, Battlefield first in the April, but then Nick Courtney said, Oh, no, no, can't do that, old love. I, I'm, I'm too busy doing uh, Only Fools and Horses uh, for, for four lines. Hmm. Um, but it pays more than you paying me in Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I can only only do that uh, later on in the summer. So very much distressed JNT, who pulled, pulled forward to the beginning of the production block, the biggest production of all of them, Curse of Femric. Ah. And, of course... At the beginning of every production block, especially if you're on location, that was traditionally when JNT would invite all of the press along for a big photo shoot for coming next season, Doctor Who, the new companion, whatever. And in these pictures uh, that you see from Fenric, he's wearing the beige jacket, which of course is long mm. since retired by that point on screen. But JNT was savvy enough. To, and this is in his diary, to ensure that a copy of the beige coat was to be provided for press purposes so Good that they grief. could keep the tan jacket secret until the end of the season, at least when Femric went up, which I thought was a nice touch. It was very nice. Yes. Because that threw me for a loop, I have to say. I, I, I saw the photograph on um, a the Twitter feed. of I think it's called The Hourly Seventh Doctor, uh, which I think the Menagerie account follows. And I, I was looking at it thinking, I wonder what on earth story this is from, because Doctor Who, the seventh Doctor, doesn't go to um, a church other than, uh, as Charlie pointed out, Remembrance. But that's a small chapel. It's not a, it's not a large Normanesque church with proper gravestones and stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, mystery solved. Um, yeah, so it's, that was good to know. Um, but I, I recently got to the end of watching the Seventh Doctor as well, and I, I completed my my uh, watch through of all of the Doctor Who episodes in broadcast order. So that uh, well, that project is now behind me, and um, I still haven't uh, received a, a call from uh, uh, Buckingham Palace to come and pick up a gong for this uh, incredible achievement. But I imagine it's probably only a matter of time. But I've, God, I loved um, Curse of Fenric. Just sorry, just because we've talked about Curse of Fenric. I just thought it was absolutely cock on. I it, I wept at the end as well with uh, uh, with all the stuff with Ace. I think it was just tremendously well done. I think I was feeling quite emotional as well because I've had concussion lately, which I think I bored listeners to death with last time, so I won't go into that again. Um, but yeah, absolutely loved it. It's definitely, definitely, definitely one of my uh, top five, Curse of Fenric. There is a, a very early episode of The Magic where I'm sure we review it in the uh, Time Space Visualizer. Ah. I cannot remember what we said, but I do recall giving it a high number of tardi out of five i'm sure it was um highly ranked if i gave it anything less than five i'm going to create a tardis go back in time and scold my younger self and say you're completely <laughs> wrong greg and i'll get your haircut <laughs> yes <laughs> talking about scolding younger well, selves don't enjoy it while you can uh uh unofficial sister podcast to the police box now they oh. men mentioned us fairly recently or should i rather say mentioned you greg i'm not sure if it was in name or not but it was referring to <laughs> you being likened to a right-wing rock star from the early 1980s is that correct well they're, they're, they're... They're a scurrilous bunch of uh, 
ne'er-do-well Scotch lads, aren't they? No, we love them, really. They're a bunch of lullies. A lully, lully bunch. We've, we've hung out with them, and we've guessed, uh, guessed it on, on their um, uh, uh, podcast, haven't we? And we've, we've threatened to get them on here as well, which I think we should do at some point. Um, but, um, yes, they... they, they well, they were... They were um, weird story, but my, my, uh, my friend Michael, who lives in um, Tokyo, messaged me saying, oh, nice to hear the menagerie mentioned on, on the Polis Box uh, um, uh, podcast lately, because um, he tunes in uh, because of, the, I think, the dearth of uh, material that we've been putting out lately. And, um, so, awful, he listens, <laughs> so he listens to the Polis Box because <laughs> we'd guessed, guessed it on there, and he thought, I like the cut of their jib. These, uh, these these north of the border chaps, uh, uh, they're a witty bunch, uh, a bit like us. They're very sort of ribald and jocular and have a good rapport, don't they? A bit like we do. What's now tell you? The trouble with this Tory government is what they're doing to, to, people, to, to people like me and there you are. They're no better than them. They're no better than them. In fact, they're worse than them. There you are. They're worse than them. And I'm scum. They're all a lot of jumped up fascist bastards. And they were basically. Uh, saying that uh, as long as they one-up us by getting more episodes out per year than, than we do, um, and one of them said, well, yes, but that, that's not going to be terribly difficult, is it? Because they, they, we, we've already put one episode out, which is uh, more than the menagerie has managed. Um, and then um, and then it was commented that perhaps we're a bit like the Smiths in 1987, uh, just just waiting for uh, a million pounds to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to, 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 to do the reunion. Uh, and then it was commented that I wonder which one um, Morrissey is, uh, and, and then there was some some naming of names vis a vis that, which was all very very funny. I think we're more like the Beatles, Greg. Uh, mm. Judging those scouse lads, yes, I remember them. By watching the get back and seeing the eventual breakup and decay of their relationships, which was all incredibly passive aggressive, I thought this is the menagerie. This is, <laughs> you know, Tom clearly John Lennon. Nose your head, yellow belly, it's on a trick. Come on, you cunts. With <laughs> a huge sense of entitlement and a potty mouth to boot. How did you sleep, you cunts? He left first. <laughs> That's true. Yes. He did yes. indeed. And then you've got of his so Charlie. Who would, who would the other Beatles be? Go on, sorry, go well, on. Yes. Charlie has to be Ringo, you know, the affable one that's keeping us all together like a glue. I think you surely are. George Harrison, the the quiet one, but the more talented one of the group, Greg. And uh, I think I'm just Paul McCartney, the one that just cannot stop talking and tell, telling people what to do until everybody just disappears around. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a great one for that. You know, maybe it was too many of that. Look, what do you mean? It was great. It's sold. It's the bloody Beatles. White album. Shut up. You do have with, a bit of a look at Paul McCartney. Yes, but with great hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on into our main segment of the day and it's a very exciting one isn't it? It certainly is. It's the, it's the Mind Pro ah. Not the Mind Pro It's the Mind Pro and as we were saying before we've, we've dragged one of our favourite people in the world back into the mind probe for a second second probing haven't we greg yes can you believe and um yes so it's uh, if you want to hear more about uh, robert gillespie um you can, he now has a youtube channel as well which i should point out uh, which is little little jump by robert gillespie uh, so if you uh, if you are on YouTube and you search for that, uh, uh, subscribe because there's all kinds of videos going up from uh, clips from uh, from his uh, uh, career. And um, yeah, he was telling us all about uh, having done much the same scene with Leonard Rosser in two different situation comedies, for example. Um, and you can also find him on Twitter at rgillespieactor and go to littlejump.co.uk to find out more about uh, his um, his archive and order the books yes are you going to do that little jump parts one and two uh his uh, autobiographies which are uh, a, a very very beautifully produced books but also give a, a huge amount of insight into the acting profession and uh his 70 plus year career in it which is no mean feat um but yeah we we uh, um we had a lovely chat with Robert. He was very generous with his time and gave us some uh, terrific anecdotes, so I'm looking forward to, to hearing them back myself. You are authorised to use the Mind Probe. What? The Mind Probe. No, not the Mind Probe. Uh, so, Charlie, here we are. Indeed. 
Yeah. Shepherd's so, Bush, no Shepherd's less. Bush, yeah. yes, uh, on a, a Saturday morning, and we have our very first return special guest star for the podcast, don't we? <laughs> we did, indeed. We last spoke to Robert, um, or, or this particular special guest, two years ago, almost to the day. Yes. Which is quite spooky. And that was during lockdown, wasn't yes, it? So but, now, but now we're face-to-face, which is much better. A Zoom appearance. So, uh, uh, Robert Gillespie, very good friend of the podcast, it's wonderful to have you back on. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and comfortable in my own house. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, say lately it was Sylvia Sims was in your group in... She was in my class at Larder, yes, yes. 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 I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I think she, cause she popped uh, now, up recently, didn't she? Again, a story about her. Because one of the reasons that... Uh, we never clo- I mean, Sylvia, she was, uh, you could say, was very pretty. Gosh, yes. Uh, yes. Very slim. Yes. I, I realise now she was exactly my... She was also 17. She, we both came mm-hmm. to Rod at the age of 17. We very, it was pretty young mm-hmm. trying, you know, because it was a kind of grown-up drama school. Some people were mature, and, you know, been to university and yeah, you know, right. were, were in their twenties, going thirty. Mm, right. So it was a huge range. Mm. But um, we had one superb teacher, a woman called Mary Duff, whom I write about. But I don't didn't tell this story because it's just uh, unnecessary. But um, uh, Sylvia, whom I, I don't know, I, I never saw her work. I mm. began to catch up on it recently, right. just mm. to see what, you know. And she, obviously, if you are in something long enough, you know, you, you get to know how to do it. And she wasn't a disaster, mm. but she was very, uh, very young of her time with a slightly brassy voice. And... Uh, what, not to, she didn't suggest there was great insight into character, mm. but you knew she would be cast as a pretty woman because yes. I mean, mm. you know, you think you'd let her in the cast. You know? mm. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> uh, she, she will, people will like to see her, mm. and uh, but we were doing something I can't remember what the play was, but we were doing something fairly because Mary Duff would never uh, uh, direct a piece of crap. So she, we were doing, we weren't doing a West End pot, pot boiler, of which we didn't do many anyway. But we were doing something quite serious, mm. and Sylvia was having to go at something, and Mary stopped and said, said, "You walk like a trumpet and talk like a trumpet." <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a description. <laughs> How does that go down with Sylvia? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you're 17 and you're, you're just, you just take it, don't mm, you? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, she was in no position to... I mean, Mary Duff was, you know, had a vocabulary and a grasp of the language that was un, unparalleled. And so, and, and was extremely good. I mean, mm. Although she was very hard on us, mm. we all wanted to be in her classes. There we go. Can we have Mary Duff, please? Can we have Mary Duff, please? Mm. Because she had real insight into mm. why, why a character did something. Yeah. You know, what's, 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 why do you think so-and-so says this in the scene, what's, what's going on here? Mm. You know, what, what do you think happened before? And so this was the only person that did that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you've now got that story, um, uh, the verbal yeah. version. Yes, <laughs> it's good to have. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, of course, it's hilariously funny and very savage yeah. as well. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's pithy as well. I like the way, it's sort of the way it rhymes. It's, it's and it was uh, also yeah. extraordinarily accurate mm. because she swayed. You know, what I mean, she had it to sway, you know what I mean? She, she was, uh, uh, she used it in her career later. Well, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, well I mean, I, I always assumed, uh, well, the one we, we, we actually watched because Anna records things, um, Ice Cold in Alex. Oh, oh yeah. yes, have you ever seen that? I have, yes, a long time, time ago, John mm. Mill. Yes, that's right. Mm. It's a I'd never seen, I don't think I'd ever seen it, and it's something, it's one of her first major roles, I think. Mm, yeah, probably would have Sylvia. Been, yeah. I think it's the weirdest film, because as Anna said, it's really a road story. Because mm. ah. it, it's as if they got, did all that very detailed stuff in the desert and everything, and then they had, all right, so much footage, and they didn't know how to end it. Mm-hmm. And it just stops. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, just kind of stuff. You think he had, he had the lager, and that's the end. Isn't yes, it? he had the lager. Yeah. yeah. And and <clears throat> you think, and and Silvio was decoration, really. Mm. Was mm. I mean, she had mm. nothing to act, really, did she? No. Really? No, that's right. There, there was no. I mean, at one point, she's there's John Mills lying exhausted on the sand, going half mad, uh, you know, and she suddenly bends down and kisses him, completely unprompted. I mean, mm. you think, you know, he didn't say, you know, to me it was extreme, just do this, will you? Cue, kiss. I, 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 so I couldn't understand it, but yeah. I just thought, because uh, I noticed that when she died, that was one of the films that was referred to. Mm. We happened to have it on uh, available, so I... She did some comedy later on. She worked with Hancock and um, yes. Hutch and Judy Man, and she did um, one with Sid James, The Big Job. So she, she had ability in comedy as well as... She, she, and, it, and it was good, right? Yes, was, very yeah. good, yes. Very oh, good. good. Yeah. I, I, I never caught up with that, mm. and so <laughs> obviously I had echo in, in my head this took comment of Mary Duff's about <laughs> Sylvia. <laughs> and I, I knew yeah. a very strange thing actually happened. Uh, this must be, I would think, in the 80s, maybe a little bit later, because I've had this house since I was in 1962. But I was leaving it one day and just driving up a local road, and um, something happened in the road, and door, oh, oh house, oh, I stopped in the car, and the door opened and out rushed Sylvia Sims. Oh. <laughs> And she said, oh, thanks for stopping. I don't know if it, I didn't think it was a dog. I can't remember what it was. Mm. It's, and then she looked, and we looked. <laughs> and we obviously, we recognised it. She said, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Because, yeah. as I say, we, yeah. there was never, never anything close. In the, I mean, she had a completely different group oh, that she was okay. associated with. And, oh, she was a young, glamorous uh, person. And that's uh, the people who I... Uh, was close to were more odd than that and also yeah. inclined to be intellectual right <laughs> well, I didn't know for instance that the whodunit was of course Jeremy Lloyd who was his writing partner wasn't yeah, it that's right. yes, yes I, so I probably was in that again because working with David yeah. Yeah. you know so yeah. there was this he can do stuff you know yes. roughly comedy yeah. um, but that, so anyway and there you were again being a, a detective um well, this one, is a detective rather than a desk sergeant, so maybe that's a promotion. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> a very strange um, series, I think. It's, it's a very, a very odd watch, I think. Totally odd. Yeah. I, I had, have to say, mm -hmm. I, t I completely forgotten right. the, the ins and outs. All I remember was John Perwey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because I think I worked with him again on something, in yeah. which I had a ludicrously badly written speech which I nevertheless <laughs> had, to, had to remember um, mm. and I used to use it as a dictionary exercise oh, because I thought this is so awful to be able to say it is a tramp <laughs> <laughs> and so I, uh, I I got it somewhere and I, I'm sure I've got the script somewhere mm -hmm. but it wasn't one of the whodunits I've got yeah. the whodunit scripts yeah. was it something called okay. Star Watch? I think, I think Star in, Watch, in, yes that 19, sounds... 1988, which I don't think it ever quite came to fruition, did it? Um, oh, really? There's, a, there's a, a brief clip of it on YouTube that I've been able to find, yeah. but uh, uh, I, I don't think uh, I don't think I don't know if it even aired an episode of it. Right. Uh, mm. So it's a bit of a mystery to me, anyway. But, yes. um, yeah, I mean the the thing about the the Who Done It, they, they always had such a, a great cast. I mean, the, the, there's one amazing. That yes. I, I was looking at for this interview, which was called Death at the Top in uh, 1975, and there's a lovely scene of you as the detective, kind of interrogating Christopher Biggins. Who yes, 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 yes. Quite, yes. quite a, um, uh, a big character. And it's just a lovely scene. Like, every single episode, it is quite a strange series, but they, it was always a really good cast. You know, the very, very familiar Amazing, and, amazing. Yeah. I realised that I thought I'd only been uh, in, in a show once with Diana Dawes, but there she was. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> on the panel. Yeah. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, amazing, uh, you know, uh, looking very large, I have to say. Uh, Bill Franklin, William Franklin. William Franklin. Oh, right. He's yes. uh, he's of course Sabina Franklin's 
father. Oh, yes. oh goodness, yeah. I haven't made that connection. So he was uh, the dad of one of my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very good actor, yes. Bill Franklin. Yeah. Excellent actor. The, the Schweppes man, wasn't he? Was he? Oh, Schweppes, I don't yeah. know about Oh, he Schweppes adverts. Yes, Canada Drive. He's an excellent actor. Oh, and, of course, Alfred Marx there. Yes. Amazing. Amazing, amazing bunch of people. Yeah. You know. So, obviously, uh, it, it was obviously very popular. And I don't remember... I thought, uh, I thought. Now, which? How much of this is what's scripted and what isn't scripted? When, when you, I watch your clips, mm. and um, and of course the the episodes, you know, the, the, the dramatic scenes were scripted. But I thought, I think we must have been given guidance when we were answering questions on on the line to take, mm. because I remember I noticed I had this quite difficult definition of. Um, Deductions. Yes, that was an interesting one. Yeah, and I think I must have been schooled into. I mean, I might have thought of it myself, mm. but I thought that that'll come up yeah. because it's a key uh, aspect of the investigation. Too. And yes. so I, but I thought, I thought everybody was amazing there on the ball answering yes. those questions. Yes, and yeah. witty as well. Yes, a certain degree of wit. Um, yes, I think you gave a perfect answer to the the two meanings of. Deductions. Deduction. Um, but I think you myself. still managed to confuse Patrick Moore, I think was a bit uh, confused about it, but uh, there we go. Yes, his basic position was acting confused, I thought, well, why, <laughs> or why am I here? Uh, I, I, that's just on those two episodes. Yes, I mean, I mean again, it was extraordinary to find myself, uh, you know, it, it's just, a, again, people thinking ruts, is that, you know, he's a policeman, or he's a, you know, uh, he's a, oh, he does policemen, mm. and oh, he can, he's, so he can also get laughs. So, so we need a policeman who gets laughs, right? Okay, so uh, it's just quick. Yeah. It's easy, you know. So I'm a sergeant, then I'm an inspector. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. matter what the <laughs> hell I am, as, as long as you know, you can do that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, even even the second one, uh, Diamonds Are Almost Forever, which was three years later in 1978, it was a similar sort of detective part, wasn't it? But you were like a, a special detective that had to be brought in later on. To, in, uh, in, in, that's right, that's and right. Talking in a very deadpan way about the false bottom of a case that had, had diamonds in it or whatever, and uh, right. mysteriously disappeared. Um, yeah. I suppose we, we we ought to ask as dedicated Doctor Who fans, but uh, what was Mister Pertwee like? Was was he quite? Um, was he? Because people often say on Doctor Who he was very welcoming because it was his show and he was very grand and very um, made sure everyone was part of a ensemble. Did did he give that vibe on Who Done It, or, or was it more of a sort of a quick turnaround? Oh, I, again, uh, all these things are when they work are done very efficiently mm. and with no messing around. Yeah. And um, but as far as I well, my recollection of John Pope is a delightful man. Mm. You know, mm. because uh, as I say I think it was there was a third thing that I did with him and it was always perfect, extremely simple. And mm. of course a very um, I mean I, I thought his quickness and his uh, rapidity and uh, you know, clarity was uh, mm. quite uh, invigorating. You know, yeah. 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 He, he's uh, yes. doesn't mess about. Yeah, he was yeah. such a snappy dresser as well, wasn't he? Oh, so extraordinarily snappy <laughs> dresser. His collars were absolutely outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, that was part of the the, the ambience of the whole show, oh, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, as as I realised from watching your clips, because I I I knew I've got the scripts in there. Oh, you know, so I, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't have remembered anything like as much, you know, <clears throat> because I don't, I hardly remember the experience, although I recognise it as I watch it, but I, I start, I think, yeah, well, no, yeah, it must have happened. Mm. <laughs> it was good camp fun, I think, uh, who'd done it. Yes, it was, I mean, that's right, it was completely sort of uh, manufactured, but, you know, fun.
Yes, if you like. So take Dr. Armstrong's designs further, well... You'd need someone like him, an expert. Someone into cybernetics. A genius. Yes. That is what I thought. Hmm. I can't remember the fee for that. Probably derisory at the time. Thank you. <laughs> so that would be in the summer of 76. Yeah. 76, was it? Was it? Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so that was, was that probably just a, a couple of days' work, was it, on that episode, do you think? Or one. Or well, just one day's yes, work. Yes, absolutely. They don't hand the money out for nothing, you know, just no. like that, you know. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Try and do it in a few... I mean, you know, it's... Uh... The, yes, yes. Oh, uh, I, I, Robert Lang's in the mask. Yes, that's right. Yes. That's right. Uh, well, I, I think he's doing what he, he should be doing, yes. which is being over the top. Yeah. And uh, it's quite clear that, you know, I'm, uh, the writing, it wouldn't have been thought through. No. You know, I wouldn't have said, I'm not going to be different. Certainly never. I'm going to be different from Robert. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, this is the character... Uh, what, what sort of person he's like? Well, he's an engineer. He's a practical person. Yeah. Phlegmatic again. You know, downbeat. Yeah. You know. A criminal. He'd just been released from from prison. Oh, oh that as well. So everything fits. Yes. Yeah. 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 Type typecast. Absolutely Perfect. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so get me Robert Gillespie. That's yeah. What that's right. Right. This is what he does. This yeah. is what he does. Yeah. Downbeat crooks. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So uh, you know. So yeah. The, there's a funny, because it, there is although that's not a comedy scene, there is a sort of mm. undertone of cheek of um, a, a twinkle in the eye. Well, not a twinkle. I know a kind of thinking that the person talking to you is a, an idiot, mm. and therefore being mild as a satirising yes. well I think the character is being led in, in a certain direction you know, to, to, to admit that yes you, you, there's no point in me employing you so I'm going to kill you it's, it's clear to us where he's taking the yeah, 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 character yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah but the character uh, the, the character is also justifying yes he's justifying himself isn't he yeah. so oh, I'm, I'm this I'm that you know so that I can't <clears throat> in other words me coming to it then would be I can't think of any other way to do it sure sure you see yeah. it wouldn't be I'm trying to because <clears throat> uh, might inside what your question might be something that's actually quite important and significant if you come to a job thinking I'm going to use this as an opportunity to you should give up mm -hmm. because um, again I write about it and I've talked about it once or twice we've had it. there was an example in, in Keeping the Family <clears throat> with a young actor who had a reasonable part as one of the daughter's girlfriend, uh, boyfriends briefly because um, they never stayed, I think they were always changing. Mm. But he had a little part, and he began to elaborate. He had this little speech. I can't really have to go back to the episode, mm. but he started decorating it yeah, yeah. and presenting himself. Mm. <laughs> and Mark Stewart, I can see he, was, he went very still, very bananas. <laughs> Thought, oh shit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, can you, can you, uh, anyway, he tried to say, stop overdoing it, stop mm. acting. Yeah. Mm. And very good, he said, give, I give up, you said, you director, Rob, you, you talk. Oh. And he just went away. Right, yeah. So <laughs> I tried to explain, I said, look, comedy works like this. You know, there's usually somebody in a sequence that has a laugh, uh, a, a line, which will get a laugh. And it's written like that. Mm. And the people that have the lines before it are simply building up to that law. Mm. And they just stay uh, <clears throat> being themselves believably as those characters. Mm. They're not trying to sell themselves, uh, say, I can play different things from this one line I've got here. Yeah. 
uh, you know, I could do King Lear if you really, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you just said, and I only got part of the way. Uh, he, he turned it down, but I think he told his mum, or his mum had told him, this is an opportunity mm-hmm. and you must go to out shine. there yeah. to shine, yeah. to shine. Yeah. And that's one of the, that, that happened from time to time. But you wouldn't survive 10 minutes. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't have saw. I mean, very, very occasionally, I'd get law. I would not know what was meant, and the director wouldn't know, and we'd get in a strange muddle. Yeah. Very, very rarely, but it did happen. I remember mm. the odd time. I knew I'd been hired to be funny, <clears throat> you know, comedy script, and then somehow the, the, <clears throat> there was no clarity in terms of what the script was mm. was asking, what I thought I should do with it and the director. Sure. But that was fortunately hardly ever. And of course it in a way it happened with David Croft in the just mm. you know, is yeah. that I don't know what he was mm. trying to do. Oh. I thought I knew what he normally did yeah. very successfully yeah. and I couldn't understand sure. what this was about. Mm. And even as I began to do a John Lennon, you started smiling. Mm-hmm. And I know that would that would, it would have worked. Would have worked. Could have worked. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but uh, why he wanted this uh, meaty voice? I understand. Mm. So it's like that. Mm. So um, this this character, which is just thought, this is what what I do. I'm not the lead. Mm. I'm not, and there's nothing extravagant about him. No. I mean, and so, <clears throat> I mean, you know. Presumably the reason I was able to, or I was hired as often as I was for different things is because I wasn't Dudley. Mm. <laughs> if I'd played everything in Dudley, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know <laughs> I mean, they just, just like crazy, the man's insane. <laughs> so, you know, so you just come in as yeah. just a, a, a person who does a particular kind of job. Sure, sure. And, you know, what does that... Per- in life, what does that sort of person yeah. sound like, look mm. like? You know, yeah. if you go and have your car fixed and says, "I'm sorry, I think I have to go because it's," uh, is it, uh, not that bit. That's that's a bit rusty, but you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. An interesting thing that I will bring up again. I've, I have brought it up before, uh, but a long time ago and not often. Is that I notice that in the course of this meeting, I have at times made you laugh. Yes, mm. that's true. Mm. But I haven't told any jokes, have I? Mm. No. <laughs> no. No. And that was... Um, I don't know how you classify that. Because mm. <clears throat> if somebody comes up, puts me on a stage and says, be funny, I don't know what I do. Mm. I, I, and a lot, I know people who would know what to do. Mm. So I met this man who was coming to the shop. You know, you know. Uh, no, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. Um, where was it? Yeah, it was there. No, he was a chemist. Uh, you know, I mean, they did doing gags. Mm. Uh, I know how to do it. Yeah. I would completely at a loss. But if I start into stuff. I end up noticing that people are, mm-hmm. and that's and that's the only that's so that's what happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I stopped. Nobody would use me to play a meaty supporting role in, in something or other. That um, so something I started to do. Where there weren't any written jokes, but the total effect was amusing, mm-hmm. was must have ended up with people saying, "Oh, because I have mentioned this before, because it was reported back to me that a director said the thing about Robert, he never misses a laugh." Mm. Ah, mm. Yeah, yeah. And you, I said that very solemnly. Didn't sure. You? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to be funny. No. Well, we 
We said no, for, I wouldn't dream of it. We, we, we said before with, with the Rise and Damp performance, the door opens, you say, I'm from the gas board, and you get an enormous laugh just yeah. from that one little line. Yeah. Well, we know why, though. Well, it's the writing. It's well, been set up. It's, well, it's yeah. just rifled the gas meter. Yes. But, but, but you, but that is a brilliant piece of writing. Indeed, but you do it so well. As, as, well, as I have well. to do it like yeah. that. Yeah. Because all I say is, I just name something and the audience will pick it up yeah. if they've seen him steal money from the gas <laughs> <laughs> Sort of somewhat backwardly coming in as well, almost being very apologetic for being that's there. Right. And I think that's what's quite funny as well. It's the, yeah. the physicality of the performance. Yeah, already hating my job, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having to dun people for their, yeah. their money. Mm. Very topical these, these days, one would say. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it's fantastic of you to come all the way from Leeds. From, from Skipton. Skipton. Yeah. Skipton. Yes, no, it's my pleasure now. Well, good heavens. Thank you so much for it your time. Like, it's been uh, great. I, I hope I was worth the fare, is <laughs> all I can say. And I said to you before, you're someone who's been in my orbit for 50 years, pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> 45 years, certainly. So it's a treat to, to meet you oh, finally. Well, Thank you. No, it's a, it's a real pleasure. You are authorised to use the mind probe. What? The mind probe. No, not the mind probe. Well, that was lovely, I have to say. It was, just, it was the perfect way to spend a Saturday morning in Robert Gillespie's uh, back kitchen, just just chatting about the old times and just his mm. incredible career and uh, the, all the people he's worked with. So it was just a, a delight. So thank you very much for arranging that, Greg. It was um, a real precious um, a precious interview for me. Oh, my pleasure. No, it's always, it's always a great pleasure to chat to Robert. He's absolutely full of wonderful stories. And uh, as I said earlier, um, you can read more of them in his uh, autobiographies. Are you going to do that little jump? There's so much in it. It's kind of, kind of personal. I was saying to him at, um, when we met that he's someone that I've been uh, aware of, if not by name, certainly by sight, since I was a baby. You know, mm. more people... I think a lot of our listeners will will be able to uh, relate to that. That is one of those faces that you just saw everywhere for a few years on TV. He was literally everywhere uh, until he got his his own uh, starring show in Keeps in the Family. But other than that, he was just ubiquitous. Um, so to be able to to chat about that and, and how he managed to become quite so you know, um, universal was was fascinating. Uh, but the one thing I mentioned to, to ask him, which we didn't get on, um, on the recording, was um, Peter Cushing was someone he worked, he worked with in both Hammer films and also in Amicus films. I'm a big, as you know, a big uh, Brit horror fan. And, um, he was in both franchises. The Hammer film was uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed in 1969, and he was also in At the Earth's Core for Amicus in 76, uh, both starring Peter Cushing. And I just very keen to get his uh, memories of, of Cushing as a, as a performer and as a member of a, of a cast and he said well he was Cushing was a, a favourite of his mother so he was very keen to um, to, uh, to catch up with him or at least to, to learn from him but apparently apart from being in the same room as him on a couple of occasions during those, those productions they didn't actually meet or, or, t- or say very much to each other, which is a bit of a shame. I think he was quite disappointed about that. But just to be in, in the same orbit as these, the greats, which I think he described him as one of the, the best uh, actors Britain's ever produced, mm. must have been quite a thrill for someone like, like that. Um, someone you can, you can really kind of rub off on. Um, but, um, yeah, it was great to be able to, to talk to him about, about that and just to get a, a flavour as to what, Hammer was like. I think his, his view was, uh, or his memory was that, whereas in other more, should we say, lucrative um, uh, franchises or uh, productions, you would come in and do uh, three or four days worth of rehearsal and then you know, just generally soak in the atmosphere, do the take, and then hang around for a bit longer and see how things progressed. But Hammer, because money was so tight, they were ushered in, there was no rehearsal, ushered in. Do you bit to camera, take, wrap, leave the set, and that was it. One day's work. In fact, it was almost one morning's work, and it was it was done. But and that I think it also gives a bit of a, an insight into how these things were made, and, and just quite how uh, sort of winging a prayer a lot of these productions were um, on a shoestring. Um, I think Amicus were very similar, and we'll find when we speak a bit later about. Um, the uh, anthology films that we're, we're all very um, mm. very keen on 
that you you wheel out your actors, you wheel out your big star names that do a couple of hours worth of stuff. Uh, you pay them the, the five grand or whatever it would have been, and then pack them away, pack them up, get get rid of them, um, and move on to the next one. And it's very much a case of the the, the, the budget was there to to um, to pay for these people, but only for a very short space of time. I think the, the Hammer films are. Uh, perhaps um, uh, not quite as bad as that, but certainly a, a good um, illustration of, of quite how cheap these films were. I remember <laughs> but, uh, Robert uh, yeah. mentioning someone fluffing a line as well. Do you remember? Do you remember that bit and the, the hushed conversation that they had? To... Yes. <laughs> It'll be all right. Just, just carry on, carry on. <laughs> yes, they didn't want to reshoot it. Basically, it was. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just keep it in. <laughs> we have two minutes to discuss it and then move on. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, but the Cushing connection, I think, is quite a nice segue into the next, um, our next podcast, the next episode, which in which we'll be dealing with the new Avengers, because ah. Cushing was in episode number one, the Eagle's Nest. It was the big star name to ah. bring in the uh, the audience. Um, but it's a series that I'm very f- fond of. I've, I've been watching it um, on a regular basis um, since '87 when I first saw it on late night YTV. Yes, it's very exciting. Absolutely full of Doctor Who alumni, isn't it? It's chock a block, chock a block. Everybody's in it, aren't they, Greg? They're all in it. Yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. That sounds like Nazis, doesn't it? Eagles Nest. Are they, are they Nazis in that one? I, I need to revisit it. I couldn't possibly comment, but uh, no. watch it again, and then we'll we'll chat next time. <laughs> okay. And we and we we're obviously going to be looking at the the, the Cybernauts one, aren't we? The return is it the return of the Cybernauts? It it is indeed. Yeah, ellipsis question mark. Yes, that's that's the one. Because Mr. Gillespie appears in that. Uh-huh. Interesting episode, and I recently got to watch that thanks to Charlie lending me the Blu-ray set, and it's it looks like a movie. It's absolutely gorgeous visuals. Very nice indeed. Very pretty. So looking forward to unpacking the Cybernauts as well, which yeah. there's your Doctor Who connection if you were if you were looking for it as well. So <laughs> There's all of that and more in the next exciting episode of (laughs) Doctor Who Who and the Complete Menagerie. Almost! Well, like, don't start changing fucking reels in the middle of a take. If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie, and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are all our own. You've been listening to a sixth floor production. <laughs>